Welcome to the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast. This is your friendly neighborhood podcast host, Daniel Bauer. Orly Friedman is the founder of Redbridge, a new K-8 school launching in San Francisco in September 2020. The focus of the school is developing a sense of agency in all students. Previously, Orly spent five years teaching elementary school in Washington, D.C. She moved to California to get her MBA at Stanford, after which she joined the founding team of Khan Lab School and worked there for four years as head of lower school. And before we jump into the episode, I'd like to take some time to thank our show sponsors. The Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast is brought to you by Organized Binder, a program designed to develop your students' executive function and non-cognitive skills. Learn more at organizedbinder.com. Isolation is the number one enemy of excellence, and isolation is also a choice. There's a better way. In fact, here's what Michelle, a school leader in Maryland, has to say about the mastermind. The best part of the mastermind is a supportive community. School leadership can be isolating, but knowing I have a team of other school leaders with whom to share ideas, struggles, and wins gives me the courage and resolve to do what's best for my school community. Get connected and level up your leadership by applying to the mastermind today at betterleadersbetterschools.com forward slash mastermind. Here we are with Dr. Kelly Crane, expert coach at Better Leaders, Better Schools, with another tip of the week. Danny, this tip is about celebrating students. It seems very simple to do, but one of the coolest things that we did when I was a principal at a high school was giving out academic letters. I had a group of kids come to me and say, you know, we're never, ever going to be on the football team. We're never, ever going to be good at track or any other sport here at this school, but we want a letter jacket. How do we get a letter? And so I took it to our parent organization and they, they developed as a side booster club called the academic booster club, not the athletic booster club, but the academic booster club. And it be, it morphed into the most amazing recognition for students who excelled in academics. And they put on the best assemblies. They recognized kids. Those kids got their letter jackets. They had academic letters and it changed our climate immensely. So consider it, think about it, but whatever you do, celebrate those students. I love it because it's so inclusive. Uh, You're questioning tradition. You're looking at things from different angles. And you all, because you were open to that and wondering what would happen if we did it, uh, it really enhanced your culture, if I'm hearing you right. Oh, absolutely. Those kids were so excited because in their minds, the only people that got letter jackets and letters were those that were athletic. And that shut them out and they didn't know what else they could do. So they solved their own problem. I think the part I love about it the most is they came to me and I was able to really listen and put into place something where they could thrive and they they felt heard and they created something in their school that is still there today, like 20 years later. I'm so proud of them. And Orly, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Uh, and just to tell the ruckus maker listening, uh, we're recording in a different location. I'm here in Chicago, Illinois, with my best friend, 
who has some uh, wonderful cats. So in case you hear that in the background, that's what's going on. It's not me. It's not Orly, uh, but it, <laughs> <laughs> it is the cats. Um, let's start with your story of founding the Khan Lab School. Sure. So I had gone to business school in California and was graduating in uh, June of 2014. And I had gone to business school with the intention of putting together a plan for opening a school afterwards. I was really interested in the way technology was changing education and what was going on in the education scene in Silicon Valley. And so in the process of putting together my own thoughts on what this school of the future might look like, I shared them with a number of people and one conversation led to another and I ended up getting put in touch with Sal Khan, the founder of Khan Academy. And Sal had written a book called The One World Schoolhouse. And in the last quarter of the book, he lays out his vision for what the future of education might look like. And uh, at the same time, he had a five-year-old son who was looking to start kindergarten. And Sal considered the options and realized that there was no school out there that really met this vision that he had written about in his book. So it was about time he put his words into action and started a school of his own. And it turned out that our ideas for what that school would look like were fairly similar. And so he said, hey, why don't you come help me get this school off the ground? And so right after graduation, that's what I did. Sal had hired a couple of teachers who had been working on the school plan already. And he also had a group of families that were committed to joining. And so we spent that summer figuring out what this school for 30 students would look like. You know, in, in being able to uh, work in that kind of environment, reconsider time to think, you know, what is this big idea? And we talk about this at the end of every show, building your dream school. So I love how you really are a ruckus maker. I mean, you're making change happen. You're living out this, this dream in real time in front of us. And so you have this story to pull from and now what you're doing with Redbridge too. So I'm, I'm just so loving you uh, being here. And I know one of the questions you've noodled on in your career is how do you um, build a system where every teacher can be at their best? So can you dig in a bit of what that system looks like? Sure. So when you think about what we ask of teachers, especially elementary school teachers, they have to be really good at forming relationships with kids, being a mentor and coach to them, picking them up when they fall down. We also need elementary school teachers to be really good at explaining their content areas. And for an elementary school teacher, that often means being really good at explaining concepts in math, teaching early reading, teaching students how to be great writers. Also, we need teachers who are great at designing fun projects and experiences to engage students in the work. And finally, we need teachers who are really good at creating assessments and analyzing data to figure out what the next step is. Typically, those four different roles of project designer, assessment and data creator and analysis, instructor and coach are four different professions. But with teachers, we ask one person to do all of those things. And so the likelihood that you're going to find someone who is equally excellent in all four categories and that you're going to be able to support them and that every day they show up and are great in all four areas seems really unlikely. And so the way that I'm thinking about the 
teacher role and what we can do to make it more likely that every teacher is successful is separating those roles out so that we can both hire more effectively for people who are uniquely gifted as coaches or as project designers, and we can support them more effectively in the school setting by providing more focused professional development. And then those teachers can also have a stronger sense of success because the scope of their work is narrower. So that's one thing that I'll be doing differently around the role of the teacher. Yeah, I I really, that's an interesting approach of how you're utilizing staff differently at Redbridge. You know, I'm curious too, as as you're getting this launched and off the ground, how how is your staff that you're hiring, right? I'm just curious how they are responding to your description of this vision and, and utilizing them in a different way. Yeah, I think it's a little bit tricky to advertise the position up front because, you know, we've renamed these roles like uh, learning guide and subject expert, and those aren't roles that people are looking for. It's not things something that people are Google searching yet. Hopefully in the future, they will be. So right now we have to advertise them just sort of as teacher and explain in the description or when we meet in person what this role really entails. But when we do that, in my experience, what I find is that teachers say, oh my gosh, like this is my favorite part of the job, or this is exactly what I'm looking for. At Con Lab School, when we shifted the teacher roles from generalist to these more specialized roles, I was nervous that people would say, oh, I really love doing everything and sad to give something up. But in fact, teachers knew right away, like, oh, I'm someone who loves the content or I'm someone who loves the relationship piece. And I'm excited to focus on one or the other. And I think, you know, teachers go through phases and may want to spend time in different roles. But the fact that you can work on perfecting your craft in just one vertical gives people a greater sense of satisfaction. Yeah, they can really uh, specialize and they they can play with the skill set that makes them unique or where they add the most value. And you've freed freed up people to be their best uh, by utilizing this system. I don't know if you're anticipating that people might uh, default back to sort of like a traditional way of operating or slide back into trying to do what they used to always do. Is there anything in the system... Or, or just your leadership mindset that will sort of be guardrails when people potentially try to slide back? Well, I think that the structure of the experience itself would prevent some of that from happening. For example, our learning guides, the ones who are really like the coach mentor role, the way that their day is scheduled is one-on-one meetings with students. So they're not in a position where they're giving group instruction. So their day is filled with these one-on-one interactions. And so naturally, I think they'll be building the skill set to have more effective conversations in that setting. I also think that if teachers have a tendency towards something, that that's worth looking into and figuring out, well, like maybe they're sliding back into something because it makes sense. So I think that you also have to be open-minded and curious about those moments. And then finally, the same systems that apply to how our students learn and progress through the school will apply to our teachers. So just like we will sit down and have one-on-one meetings with our students each week, 
to talk about their goals and the work habits necessary to achieve them. I'll be sitting down with our teachers every week to talk about their professional goals and how I can support them in achieving them. And so those conversations are one touch point where we can talk about what it means to be in that role and be effective at it. Orly, you're, you're here again because you're a ruckus maker thinking completely differently about utilizing staff. So if this has uh, lit something in one of the listeners and they're wondering how they could repurpose or utilize staff in different ways, what, what would be maybe an easy first step for them? Sure. Well, I think it's important to work with the staff that you have and make sure that the team is on board. So probably finding out from your own team what they wish they had more time for with students and then seeing how you can build that into the schedule. You know, a lot of the, well, basically the entire staff at Con Lab School had prior experience working in schools and most of them were in fairly traditional classrooms. And many of them said, oh, these one-on-ones, that's what I always wish I had time for with my students previously. I never had an opportunity to sit down and understand what their goals and interests were on a regular basis and hear about their friendships at school and what's going on in their lives. And now I can do that. And, you know, at Lab School, we had those conversations. Every student had a 30-minute conversation once a quarter with a student, I think if, you know, one on, that one-on-one attention, 30 minutes, once a quarter, that even that would go a long way. So I think you can start doing things on a much lighter touch base uh, and finding ways to fit that in. Well, let's, let's switch uh, gears a bit. I know that you've also pondered this question. If students learn at their own pace, how do you design school? So how did that question impact your approach to leadership? Sure. So that's really the question that we started with at Khan Lab School. When you have a tool like Khan Academy that allows students to learn at their own pace, what should the rest of the school day look like and how do we support students? And what was interesting in our first year at Khan Lab School with answering that question was when students have tools that allow them to learn at their own pace, in the beginning, kids really zoom ahead and make a lot of progress. But what starts to happen over time is that students start moving at vastly different paces. And often it has nothing to do with their academic capacity. Instead, it has to do with things like their time management skills, their ability to set meaningful goals for themselves, their ability to stay focused, all of these executive function skills. And the students who previously were very successful in school might find this frustrating when no one is there explicitly telling them what to do all the time, and they aren't making the progress that they're used to. And so what we ended up doing at Con Lab School after our first year and watching this happen was grouping students, not by grade level, but by what we called independence levels, which were groupings that allowed us to give students the structure and support that they need to learn at their own pace and to build those work habits and executive function skills so that they could really learn how to direct their own learning. And all of those independence levels were also tied to developmental milestones so that what we're asking students to do on their own uh, corresponded to what they could be capable of at each stage. It's just so good. I mean, Again, the way you're thinking about everything is is different, and I really uh, admire and appreciate that about you. 
And as we continue this thinking differently theme, uh, now with your new school, Redbridge, you're thinking differently about grades. So in your opinion, how do grades put a stop to learning? And how are you thinking about grades at Redbridge? Sure. So at Redbridge, all of the systems and structures are designed to support students developing a sense of agency over their learning, which for us means the ability to set meaningful goals and have the will and skill to achieve them. And in traditional schools, all of those structures and systems are really designed to reward compliance. And one of the systems that is designed to reward compliance is the way we grade students. So if you think about it in a traditional setting, students wait for an assessment to be given to them and then they turn it in and it's scored by a teacher. And really it's in the best interest of the student to figure out not necessarily what is their best work product, but how can I please the teacher to get the best grade? So what we've done in the plans for Redbridge is create a mastery grading system. And it sort of flips that on its head. It works more like Boy Scout badges in that students will have a set of mastery credits that they can work to earn. Some of those mastery credits they'll earn in a class and some they'll earn on their own, but students will choose which mastery credits they are working towards in any given semester. And when a student has a piece of work that they believe demonstrates a level of mastery, they then turn that in for evaluation to see if they have earned that credit. So rather than waiting for the teacher to hand them an assessment and see how they do on the teacher's time frame, instead the student is the one who's determining what their assessment is or what they'll be assessed on and when they're going to turn it in. The other thing that that allows is for the teacher actually to be on the same team as the student. Because in this mastery-based system, a student will work on an assignment or a piece of work until they feel that it demonstrates that mastery level quality, which means they can ask teachers for feedback and get their help in making that piece of work the best it can be. And the person that assesses it may not be the teacher. It may be a separate assessment team. Um, So this system really opens a lot of possibilities. And uh, what it also means is that instead of a student taking an assessment, getting a grade, even if it's an A, saying, okay, I'm done with that piece of work and moving on without thinking about the work any further, In this mastery-based system, students really have to have the metacognition around the work themselves. Well, let's pause here just for a message from our sponsors. The Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast is brought to you by Organized Binder. Organized Binder is an evidence-based RTI Tier 1 universal level solution and focuses on improving executive functioning and non-cognitive skills. You can learn more and improve your student success at OrganizeBinder.com. All right, and we're back, Ruckus Maker, with Orly Friedman, the founder of the new school called Redbridge. And Orly, before we get on um, to OKRs, if people wanted to learn more, maybe they are an educator and want to apply potentially for a position at the school, or they are an interested family and they love that you're thinking differently about school, uh, where can people get more information? Great question. You can check out our website, which is www.redbridgesf.org. We also have 
all the social media accounts. Um, but our website is the best place to get connected. You can email us from there. You can apply to the school from there. And once we start hiring teachers, there'll be links to apply for a job as well. Great. And you know that we'll have those links for you, Ruckus Maker, in the show notes. So you don't have to memorize any of that. Just go to the show notes and click on the links to get whatever it is you're looking for. Orly, I found out about you reading Measure What Matters. And that's a book that we just recently finished in the Mastermind. And the book's topic is on some called OKRs, Objectives and Key Results. I think there was maybe one or two sentences dedicated to you. And I had to reach out. I had to know more. Uh, The mastermind I work with, people are grappling with this idea of OKRs, trying to consider how they can implement it in the school setting. And just with your experience using OKRs to uh, measure what you're moving toward, I'm curious of what you've learned using that system. Yeah. So we started using this system at Khan Lab School because students were learning each at their own pace, which meant that we couldn't rely on a set of standards that every student was working towards at the same time. Instead, we had to give each student um, a unique mix of goals. And so using OKRs was the system that really allowed us to support every student having a unique set of goals. And what we found was that we could implement this system even with our youngest students. But over time, uh, and as students got older, they would take on more responsibility for both setting those goals, tracking those goals, and reflecting on the goals. So it starts off as a very teacher-driven process for our youngest students and also more group-based. So for example, our five-year-olds might all have a common goal among all you know, 15 to 20 of them and they track that together. It's for one day at a time, which is you know a time frame that they can conceive of, and it's all paper based. Over time, students will set goals for a week at a time, for a month at a time, for a term at a time. They'll also be asked to reflect on those goals in deeper ways. So they'll have every Friday, an opportunity to reflect on their progress towards their goals. Also, they'll start setting some of those goals themselves. So in the beginning, our students, when they are able to start choosing goals for themselves, they choose them around SEL goals or you know character strength goals, uh, as well as personal passion goals. And after they have a lot of experience in school, then they can start adding their own academic goals to the list. So it's a very supportive process. And as I mentioned before, that same system that we use with students, we use with teachers. And it really applies to even the whole school, the school level of what are our goals and how are we doing towards reaching them. So we definitely recommend checking out Measure What Matters. We'll have that linked up in the show notes. I wrote a pretty epic blog post detailing what I learned from OKRs also, and that'll be linked up so you can read it on the website. Orly, can you maybe pull back from experience and and what is an example of a student or, or teacher goal they might track? Sure. So one example of a student goal that... Um, a student had set for themselves in in our independence level four group. They were working on as a character strength this idea of risk taking. 
And so every student said what risk-taking meant to them and chose a goal that represented what a risk was for that student. And throughout the term, the student thought about how are they going to go about taking that risk and what preparation do they need for it. And you know, for one student, it was staying overnight at um, like the school retreat, that that was a risk. For another student, it was public speaking. And so each student, with the help of their advisor, thought about what it would mean to achieve that goal, what steps they needed to take along the way, and reflected on their progress. That's an example of uh, a social-emotional goal. Students also had goals in math or reading or writing, and those goals might be more tied to a standard. Like in math, uh, a goal might be that they can solve, you know, double-digit division problems, and we would have a number of measures and steps along the way to track ability to do that. For a teacher, a goal might be designing a project where at the end of the project, all students say that the project was meaningful to their lives. And so we would look together at data from past projects, how they are measuring these items, and what it would take for a project to meet that criteria. Got it. In did you say that you 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 tracked this through paper too? So it wasn't that you had to use some sort of cool new app or anything like that, but you were tracking OKRs on paper. That's right. All of these systems can be done without any technology at all. However, technology does allow a number of things to be done more efficiently and effectively. But for our youngest students who aren't really on the computer, um, where that wouldn't be appropriate, it's actually more effective for us to use paper-based tracking in those situations. Um, and students graduate to using Google Sheets over time. Last question with OKRs. How did you roll this out to the staff? I'm thinking that they're coming from situations where OKRs aren't typically used. And so that'd be a new skill set, but a powerful one and a generous one to share with your staff. So what did, what did that look like when you rolled it out and started to train people on OKRs? I think this was actually a very natural progression that had teachers involved every step of the way and that we came to this system really by necessity and saying like, well, this is what we need to do to make things work. But I would say that the most effective way to get your staff to be bought into it and to understand how the system works is to start by using it with them themselves. So because our teachers had these one-on-one meetings with me where we were talking about what their goals were, they knew what it felt like to be in the position of the student. And so they could be much more effective when they were then in turning to their students and saying, let's take a look at your goals and your progress towards them and um, making sure that they're measurable and whatnot. What message would you put on all school marquees across the globe if you could do so for just a day? Yeah, um, this is a good question. I think I would probably put something that my dad says. So he has a saying that has really influenced my own life, which is, Whatever can be done will be done. The question is, will it be done to you or by you? Dad is a smart guy. It sounds like a question about ownership. (laughs) Exactly. Orly, you're building a school from the ground up. You're not limited by any resources. Your only limitation is your imagination. 
How would you build your dream school and what would be your top three priorities? Well, I feel very lucky because truly right now with Redbridge, I am building my dream school. If I had a magic wand, my top priority, you know, (laughs) would be an amazing facility, something Hogwarts-esque with port key features for sure. But I think the facility piece is the one thing I'll have to put on hold. As I do go about building Redbridge, my top three priorities are number one, having an excellent staff. So my top priority is finding and hiring collaborative teachers who can build strong relationships with students and colleagues and our lifelong learners themselves. If you have that, I actually don't even think you need anything else. You don't even need school walls. Um, I think if you have those people in place, then um, the school can be a magical place. But if I had to choose a second priority, my second priority, uh, and this is really something we're working on right now with Redbridge, is a student body that reflects the diversity of the city. Um, In an ideal world, we wouldn't have tuition. In fact, we would just be a neighborhood public school. Because I think that that's the best way to build a sense among parents that we're all in this together. And I think my third priority would be um, making sure we have plenty of planning time for teachers. If I had a magic wand, you know, I'd give teachers extra time in the day so that we could ensure that they have the planning time they need to prepare for these interactions with students and designing great projects and giving students the feedback that they deserve. So I would say that those are my three priorities, the finding an excellent teaching staff, a diverse student body, and planning time. And a shout out to Hogwarts <laughs> as well. And, you know, I'll tell you, uh, moving to Glasgow was very interesting. And my wife works at the University of Glasgow. It literally looks like Hogwarts. It's such a fun That's place. Awesome. So um, maybe one, one day that'll turn into like a authentic learning field trip. <laughs> for the kiddos. Exactly. I hope so. Well, Orly, thank you so much for being a part of the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast. Of all the things we talked about today, what's the one thing you want a ruckus maker to remember? I think the one thing that I want a ruckus maker to remember is that we know what motivates adults. And the same thing is true for kids in the building. So if you can give students mastery, autonomy, purpose, and meaningful relationships, they're going to love coming to school. And that's true for students and for teachers. Thanks for listening to the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast, Ruckus Maker. If you have a question or would like to connect, my email, daniel at betterleadersbetterschools.com or hit me up on Twitter at Alien Earbud. If the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast is helping you grow as a school leader, then please help us serve more ruckus makers like you. You can subscribe, leave an honest rating and review, or share on social media with your biggest takeaway from the episode. Extra credit for tagging me on Twitter at Alien Earbud and using the hashtag BLBS. Level up your leadership at betterleadersbetterschools.com and talk to you next time. Until then, class dismissed.